Hello and welcome to this, the 60th episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I'm Matthew, I'm one of our hosts. Uh, joining us today is Jacob, another of our hosts. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm, it's a weird day for me, actually, but uh, I'm going to so, sort of soldier on through. Okay, good, good to hear, good to hear. Um, and helping us out today, we actually have Jessica Plummer back as a guest. Uh, Jessica was our guest a couple of months ago to talk about The Punisher, and she actually has a podcast that she runs uh, called Flights and Tights, which is all about Superman. And listening to that had gotten me and, and me and Jacob talking about um, how Superman fits in with one of uh, my, I think, Jacob's favorite characters, Batman. And it got us thinking that it would be great to have Jessica on to have a conversation about Superman and Batman and how they fit in together as characters, especially with someone who can really speak from the, uh, the red cape side of things. So, Jessica, uh, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure, our pleasure. I have, um, as I've said, I've been really enjoying your podcast, and I know we're going to have a link to it Thank um, you. In, the, in the show notes. No, definitely. And it's especially because I will say, and it's kind of a, a way of framing it at the very beginning, I have definitely been not the biggest fan of Superman um, when, I, when I was starting this podcast. I was very much more on Team Batman and have always approached things that way. And your podcast has really given me a chance. Your podcast and also some of the um, – comics that Jacob has gotten me to read recently that we've uh, done episodes on, like uh, the recent Red Sun, and before that, um, uh, Jacob, I'm blanking. Kingdom the Come. Other, the comic we did, say again? Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, thank you, yeah. No, both of those have really helped to uh, expand my, my idea of Beyond Superman, so uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and I might say, just by kind of jumping in, um, Jessica, what is it about Superman that makes him a character that you're so drawn to and wanted to um, make your podcast about? Um, yeah, well, um, I mean, I, I loved Superman. I wasn't a big superhero person as a kid, but I always found su something about Superman really appealing. Um, uh -huh. and then I went through a period in high school where I was like, nah, Batman's better because <laughs> I was angsty because I was a teenager. And then I kind of resettled into my own naturally optimistic self and found myself gravitating back towards Superman. Um, I just, I think that that optimism, that sort of sunshiny daylight aspect of him really appeals to me. I love the mid-century Americana-ness of it all. Um, I love the idea that he looks like this ordinary guy, but he's capable of doing so much. Um, and I really love the way that it sort of combines all of these multifaceted American narratives where you have the rural setting as well as the urban setting. You have an immigrant narrative, but you also have a heartland narrative. You have all of these aspects of what it means to be American bundled up in one character at the same time. And I think that that's really powerful. And I just, I love his supporting cast. I love Lois. I love mm -hmm. Jimmy. Supergirl is my favorite character of all time. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just love the whole shebang. It, it's interesting that you describe it that way, especially because, um, and, and maybe this is accurate or maybe it's not, but for me, I've always thought of Superman and Captain America as very much parallels to each other. Um, in that sort of, they represent, you know, the, the Boy Scout, the good one, the, the, the optimism. Um, and so one thing I'd never thought of before, but thinking about Superman as representing rural America, as, as well as metropolitan, but, but rural in his roots, um, in contrast to Captain America, who is so very much a product of city America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I actually, so in college, 
I managed to scam my way into writing not one, but two undergraduate theses on superhero (laughs) comics, um, because we had to write one for each semester of our senior year. So in the fall, I wrote about Supergirl. And in the spring, I wrote about um, Gotham and Metropolis. And one of the Uh things that I said in my in my Gotham and Metropolis one that I still really feel is true. Most of it was (laughs) not not the best thesis ever written but this i stand by is that the actual arc of superman's narrative allows him to as i said embody all of that americanness in a way that if you were missing any one piece of it it wouldn't so Mm. if he were just if he had come from outer space and landed in the city he would always be an alien in the city. He wouldn't have that sort of earned Kansas-ness to him. But if he had landed in Kansas and never gone to the city, he'd always be the outsider. But when you combine that, what was a very, very prominent narrative at the time in the 30s during the Depression, the last years of the Depression, this... uh, urbanization of the country with these farm kids coming to the city looking for work and looking for a more cosmopolitan life like that is very american a refugee fleeing an uninhabitable home that is very american being in a city is just as american as being from the middle of nowhere in kansas but in order to really authenticate that Americanness, he has to be all of them at once. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and oddly enough, it might be part of why I've never really identified with uh, Superman quite as much is because for me, I, I am someone who grew up in New York City. And I always had a kind mm-hmm. of a weird feeling about those who, who, who emigrated to the city. I think as the way you're describing it, like Superman did. Um, but uh, as well as many people who I certainly knew in my, my 20s when I lived in the city. Um, but Jacob, what about for you? I know uh, Superman's obviously a character who you you have a lot of feelings towards um, having, you know, pushed, recommended now uh, a couple of great Superman comics, um, or one of which, I guess, uh, uh, Jess Dunks had. But where, where do you come down on Superman? What, what's been your perception on him as well, a character? One thing that, you know, honestly uh, never really occurred to me until Jess brought it up just now, until Jessica brought it up, is that uh, the the whole rural to... Uh, growing up in rural America and and then moving to a big city part of Superman's narrative, um, which we see more in the uh, the human interest Superman stories, the ones where he's where his his role as a uh, um, journalist at the Daily Planet is is more prominent and is part of the conflict sometimes when he's trying to fit in or or work with these people who've been in this environment the entire time and for me i actually really strongly identify with that whole i grew up in in bufu america as it were uh and then have moved to i guess not the big city and madison's not small by any means but it's not like a major metropolitan area so it's funny that 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 particular aspect of superman that i really should like very strongly identify with just never even occurred to me um i've always been a fan of superman stories where he gets to be i don't know better way to say is he gets to be weak or he gets to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. in some way um smallville i actually uh first couple of seasons of smallville i really enjoyed which may be controversial for some uh (laughs) because it you know the show wasn't perfect but um, at least for me, part of the reason why is that he was sort of like 
you know, he was new to everything and, and there were a lot of struggles there. And, and one of the big things that uh, that particular iteration of Clark Kent was dealing with was sort of not fully understanding himself and and what he can do. Uh, and in that way, he got the, there was that vulnerability. And so I enjoyed that story because um, when when you're dealing with a Superman who is like the untouchable perfect paragon it's not very interesting um so it it really really depends on the story whether i'm pro or against superman uh Mm -hmm. and by against i mean like don't like that superman story uh and just one other thing i'll add is that uh there are a fair there's a small number of them but there are some superman stories where we have this whole the superman is alone narrative uh that's really more batman shtick and when when they when they give it to Superman as well, I just feel like that that's not the space that Superman needs to play in, if that makes sense. Uh, because that's one of the things I, I like yes. to contrast between the two characters. Uh, because Superman, I feel, is much more community-focused, and that's where he really thrives, is by having friends and trusting and working with them. And I think that's something we're definitely going to talk about, because I think, and Jessica, I know you had pointed this out as something to put on our agenda, that... Uh, on the surface, Superman seems much more the communitarian. Batman seems much more the loner. And certainly in terms of their relations with things like the Justice League that plays out. But then Batman has Robin in a way that, ju- that Superman never really mm-hmm. does. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's definitely a great point we're going to dive into. Um, I think just kind of rounding it out, I think for me, kind of, uh, you both kind of got, got into this. I think the, the reason I've not been that interested in Superman as a character for a long time, and it's been changing more recently... I think it's because he always seemed so perfect to me. Um, and he always seemed a character who didn't, A, didn't have weaknesses and thus could, it was never really in doubt if he was going to win, but also didn't really seem to have flaws. Um, and some of the stories that I think I've been most interested in have been either the stories where when paired with Batman, there I think there's a little bit more of a, um, the two of them sort of playing off of each other, but also especially in the, um, in Kingdom Come and Red Sun, and, and Jessica, I'm curious if you think this is something that's a, a sort of a common trope in Superman stories or is more of an outlier, ones where the main villain in the Superman story is Superman, where, where Superman gets to be both the hero and the villain, and that's sort of what he's battling is both his ability to do all these great things, but then the problem is the potential dangers of how far that can go. Um, is, is that, do you think that's an accurate description of those stories, and, and is that something you see in in a lot of Superman stories, or is that kind of an outlier? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely think that's accurate. And I think that um, if you look at Superman stories as a whole, you can find tons of characters who are sort of the dark version of Superman. I mean, even something as basic as General Zod, like that's another Kryptonian refugee who has all the power. And instead of just wanting to let Earth go along as it does, wants to control it. You have Bizarro, who uh, means well, but doesn't actually have a properly aligned moral compass. You have, you know, you have, like, kind of dumb villains, like Nuclear Man in uh, (laughs) the fourth Superman movie, who is hilarious. Like, I love Superman 4. It's a ridiculous movie and very enjoyable. But, you know, he's literally a clone of Superman. Like, there are multiple clones and offshoots and copies and whatnot of Superman who who yeah uh 
illustrates some dark version of him. And then you also have stories where he gets influenced by red kryptonite or black kryptonite, and he becomes the villain. And you have um, times that he gets so worried about keeping everybody safe that he really gets um, overly controlling and kind right. of puts the planet on lockdown and Lois has to be like, stop. Um, but I do, I do want to take issue with, um, what you said earlier that he doesn't have flaws. Mm. I think what it is, it's not that he doesn't have flaws. It's that he doesn't have fatal flaws. Mm. Like when you look at somebody like Batman, like this guy's a mess. He's a disaster. (laughs) Like he's manic depressive, control freak, paranoid, like anger issues like he is he is piled with flaw upon flaw and even characters who aren't as overly like obviously messed up as him um say somebody like tony stark has this one big flaw where he keeps building death robots (laughs) because he's like i know what'll solve this problem a death robot oh nope that wasn't it um with Superman, I think he does have flaws. And I think actually, ironically, his flaws are much more like ours. Like most of us are not, thank God, like Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Most of us, like, we're not always totally honest about who we are. And we can be a little self-righteous. And we find it really hard to tell that person that we have a big crush on that we have a big crush on them. There when you look at Superman as Clark Kent, you see just an ordinary person doing his best with those more realistic, I think more relatable sort of rom-com flaws. And I'm not saying that like, I don't also sometimes relate to just wanting to crouch on a gargoyle in the rain and be sad because I do. <laughs> we but, were all in high school at one point. Think, <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I was totally team Batman in high school. But uh-huh. I do think that if you're looking for a massive uh, Achilles heel in Superman, you're not going to find it. But if you're looking for moments where you're like, Clark, come on, you, they're they're all over the place. So right. so here's the thing about that though, and and I think this is why I've I've sometimes struggled to connect with Superman and and have not found uh, the connections to Clark Kent slash Kal El uh, that I sometimes feel uh, when I'm watching Batman stories is that you're right. Batman is broken. Um, uh, Bruce Wayne is is a broken person. Uh, in in a lot of ways, most of the time, Superman isn't it's not that he's not it's not that he doesn't have flaws Mm -hmm. but his flaws aren't they don't have that level of gravity right uh where he's like trying to really get his stuff together right um and for me i kind of identify a little more broken than i do okay i've got everything figured out and and, uh i've got my nice moral center uh although as a contrast that is part of what makes superman stories uh very interesting is because Oftentimes, his clear moral center is then painted, paint, used to paint him into a corner, which makes it, uh, again, it's a way to make the story interesting while still featuring Superman and all that Superman can do. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there is, 
you can find sort of um, connection and inspiration in both of it, those things, right? So when you feel broken, there's Batman to be like, oh, well, you can be broken, but you can still do some good. But then you can also look at a character like Superman who doesn't have those great tragedies. I mean, even the destruction of Krypton isn't really a personal tragedy. It's just a plot point to get him right. on Earth with these powers. He's not really grieving it. Um, and I personally, I do not care for stories where the Kents or Lois are dead. Like, they just, that's not mm. what I come to Superman mm-hmm. for. Um, but I think it's it's inspirational to see somebody who can do good even though they're broken. And it's also inspirational to see somebody who can do good just because they can. Like, he doesn't have a burning need to avenge or repent. He just wants to help because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And to me, it brings up two things. One is that, and I, I know I've heard you comment on this before uh, in a way, I, I feel like Superman and Batman are to some extent, pro- like, it feels like, I, I know they came about at fairly similar times historically, but the images that we now have of them, Superman to me feels like a character of this of the 50s and 60s, of a, a time of, American mm-hmm. optimism of when we feel like we can do anything. Batman, I feel like, really comes into his own in a, in a time of cynicism and when we do want to not, when every hero has to have great flaws. Um, and, and part of what I'm thinking about in terms of this is I feel like anytime we're comparing the two characters, we're almost always looking at their, 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 the way they're being portrayed in media because they've both been portrayed in, in such different ways. Um, and, and then I think of like, you know the Batman, the the Superman that I that I think of as kind of the, some of the great media uh, uh, ideas of Superman, like the Christopher Reeve and some versions like that, where it is much more about the the optimism. At the time those are being made, we're getting Batmans that are you know the the na 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 TV shows, almost comedic in how silly they are. Whereas today, I kind of feel like we're now in a Breaking Bad era of TV and movies <laughs> where everything has to be dark and gritty, and that feels right for Batman. And as you and I have talked about, it feels like even Superman kind of has to be made dark and grittier, which which doesn't really fit the Superman that you're discussing. Yeah, um, I mean, I also think that, um, you know, every era has its Batman. And so, um, obviously, like, Golden Age Batman, initially, like, he carried a gun and he was fighting vampires and he was, like, outright killing people. I mean, so was Superman. Those dudes killed a lot of people the first two years. <laughs> right. Um, like you definitely had that darkness early on and it was lightened real quick, like within a year with Robin, um, got super duper campy by the sixties and you have the Adam West show. Um, when the first Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman movie came out, people were furious. They thought that Batman was ruined. It was way too dark. Now we look at that movie and we're like, this is kind of campy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but like I think in a lot of ways there's actually more affection now for the Adam West show that goes all the way into camp than the Tim Burton one, which is kind of sitting in the middle. But at the time, people were appalled. Um and over the course of the movies, Batman has grown increasingly dark until we have whatever the hell Ben Affleck is doing. Right. Um but it's but we also have the Lego Batman. You know, it's a mm-hmm. it's a sliding scale. And I think a big part of the problem with Superman is that like you mentioned Christopher Reeve, he was like the 
popular culture perception of Superman was really locked in in 1978. And there has not been another mass media property that has gotten anywhere close to that level of iconography. Um, And so Batman, I think, feels more flexible because we have all of these versions that we've seen and we can balance all these versions in our mind. Whereas everybody, when they think of Superman, they think of Christopher Reeve in 1978 and he feels very inflexible because unless you really deeply dug into the character, you don't have other versions that you're considering. Do you have particular versions that you think are, in terms of TV or, or screen, are, are the representations that really speak to you as your image of Superman? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my top three like multimedia versions of Superman, without question, are uh, Lois and Clark, <laughs> the, um, the animated, the DCAU version, Superman the Animated Series and Justice League and so on. And he's only there in guest appearances, but the Superman that they have on Supergirl, um, I think they've been doing a fantastic job with him. Um, But yeah, I was really, you know, as a kid growing up in the 90s, um, I, my idea of Superman was really set by the animated series and Lois and Clark. And when people say they struggle to find stories to tell with Superman, where to place Superman, how do I tell a Superman story? It seems so obvious to me that his story is a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. It's a workplace rom-com. He can just fly. Yeah. Um, and it's because Lois and Clark, it, it handled it so well, and it's been so forgotten now, um, which is a shame because it really had the character exactly right. Like there's this one moment where he thinks that he's lost his secret identity. It's going to, it's leaked out. It's going to get everywhere. He's not going to be able to be Clark Kent anymore. And he goes home to his parents and he's panicking about it. And they're like, well, I guess you could just like get a new pair of glasses and pretend to be somebody else. And he says, no, it's, I can't just give up Clark Kent like that. Superman is what I can do. Clark Kent is who I am. And I don't think any other media or any comic book has ever encapsulated the character better than that line. Yeah. And people just don't even consider it. They're like, oh, yeah, it was for women in the 90s, whatever. I I really now just want to stop this recording and start a new recording that's an hour long where we just talk about Lois Clark, New Adventures of Superman, because, oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. At last I found another fan of that show. <laughs> <laughs> We will eventually cover it on flights and types, and it's just going to be us giggling and clapping our hands. You've got me wanting to watch it, because I'll admit, I know nothing about it, except that that's where Dean Cain comes from. It is campy uh, AF, yes. just FYI. <laughs> and, and Tori yeah, Hatcher, is that? Ridiculous. Yeah. I, Terry. Terry, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, most of you are know that the woman from it was in a bet, was in a Bond movie. But yeah, so I, from what you guys are saying, it sounds like a great thing that, that I would love to dive more into. Um, and she is a perfect Lois. She's, yeah, they're they're just they're so good. They're perfect. And it's good. Well, it, it does. So the reason why I like I latch on to it as well is that it it does a good job of taking that sort of because because Superman's strength, as I believe has been mentioned already. I think I think each of you said you used the word optimism. I like to think of it more as idealism. Um, 
because that that really is i feel like uh the strength of superman's character is that he always believes in people and mm-hmm. when you frame that in in a mostly comedic storyline that you know still has some dramatic beats but for the most part is just having fun you really get to just let that whole thing breathe right and so for yeah. me it, it just struck the the best balance of of you know it's still superman but like a lot of his problems he can't solve with his powers because of a lot of his problems are interpersonal relationships right mm-hmm. well that, that's not the kind of show i would love so yeah now that gets me really excited for it um and, and kind of pulling us back to the the, the the crux of this episode in terms of putting superman and batman in conversation i, I really like well first of all jacob what you're saying about idealism so I think that matches well because I think there's that's one area in which him and Batman are so different because Batman is the exact opposite. He never believes in anyone uh, except yeah. himself, which is one of the problems. I'm also really struck by what you said there about how for Superman, or what I guess we should say for Clark, Clark is who he is and Superman is what he does. Um, because um, I don't know if you ever listen to them, but one of my other favorite podcasts is from uh, the, uh, the DC uh, EU, the, the DC On Screen podcast. Um, they've done some great stuff and they at one point made a comment that the best Batman stories are stories that understand that Batman is his true identity and Bruce Wayne is his identity, that Bruce Wayne is the sort of secret identity he puts onto the world. Um, and so I thought that was kind of an interesting way of jumping off of, do, do, do you think that that's a fair way to look at the two of them is that part of the difference here is that Bruce Wayne is someone who, ha- who has to be this hero and is now being Bruce Wayne as a cover, whereas Superman, he can do these things, but he doesn't have to. He can be Clark and be perfectly happy. Do, do you think that's a fair distinction between the two? Um, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as, like, he can, that Superman can just be Clark and be happy. I think he does feel a need to help, but I think mm-hmm. if he lost his powers, he would be, you know, volunteering at soup kitchens and writing his usual, like, uh, exposés. And, like, he would still be helping in some capacity. Um, But I do think... I think it can be a little... Even though I do love that line from Lois and Clark, it can be a little simplistic to boil them down to one is real and one is fake. But I do absolutely agree that... uh, Clark Kent is truer to the essence of the guy from Metropolis and Batman is truer to the essence of the guy from Gotham. Um, And while we're, while we're there, I would also say that I freaking hate that one speech from Kill Bill uh, where uh, Bill gets it exactly wrong and says the opposite. He is very incorrect and people cite it all the time. And I'm like, you know he's the bad guy, right? <laughs> I, I hate Kill Bill in general, so I can't speak to this, but Jacob, maybe you can. <laughs> um, you know, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, I'm not remembering the... Oh, okay, that that line. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, like... Yeah, he just goes on for like 10 yeah, minutes so, so about how... Where David Carradine is just like flat wrong. They throw a bunch of words into his mouth, or rather, Bill. The, the character Bill is just, yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's saying the wrong things, right? Yeah. Uh, because it's it's it, it's a complete 180 from from reality. And I think that's, in, I, I feel, I felt like when I watched it, that was intentional. But I might be uh, 
giving too much credit. <laughs> I kind of feel like it's Quentin Tarantino hadn't read a comic book in 30 years and was like, mm. I've got a theory that I came up with when I was 11, putting it in the movie. That, that seems very on brand for Tarantino, but um, <laughs> to, to keep us from wandering too far into a totally yeah. different podcast. Um, but so, you know, so, so jumping off from there, what, in general, like obviously, it's becoming I think more and more common to see Batman and Superman paired up, um, not just by Snyder, but uh, we had quite a lot of that more recently in um, the, uh, the the comic that you talked about, the Justice League, and and both of them appearing uh, in each other's uh, TV shows more recently, and things like that. What's your general take when you see that that Batman and Superman are going to be appearing kind of side by side in a story? Does that does that get you excited? Do you think that's not a uh, a direction you, you want to see Superman stories going? What, what's your take on those? No, I, I enjoy the, you know, the world's finest team up. Um, I, I mean, I love comic books in large part because of that really long pedigree. I love the history. Um, so it feels, it always feels nostalgic to me. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember reading the world's fair comic back in 1940, you know, 44 years before I was born. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I, I like those callbacks. Um, and I think they do play off of each other really well because they see the world so drastically differently. Yeah. Um, I prefer it when they have a level of mutual respect. Like I did not enjoy Batman v Superman because it was a terrible movie, but I don't think I would have enjoyed it even if it had been well executed, but still with that title. Um, uh, I can't remember who directed that movie. Zack Snyder. Yeah, that was Snyder. Okay, we've got yeah. checked off our box for uh, bashing a Zack Snyder movie. Go on. <laughs> um, but I think that they they play really well opposite each other um, because they approach problem solving so differently. And that's always something that you want to see in a team up rather than having two people just sort of agree on how they're going to tackle whatever the obstacle is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was actually going to make a, a a very similar point in that like when Superman and Batman are featured together, I always want them working together because I feel like that's where, because, you know, people who team up can still fight, quote unquote, they can argue, right? Or they can, there can be a conflict there. But the that being like the central uh, conflict for the majority of your story um, is not, it's usually not enough for me, I guess, because, and it's not interesting enough because it doesn't focus on their friendship. And I, I like it best when they're friends who don't really want to fight. Yeah. Uh, versus yeah. like versus Batman trying to take out this this alien menace uh, and Superman trying to uh, rein in this vigilante, right? Um, which is again why I really, yeah. really like uh, the animated series uh, continuity JLA in particular. Uh, the Batman and Superman episodes where those two interact a lot are really really good. Yeah. Um... I also have always enjoyed, I don't know if you guys, Jacob, maybe you have, if you've read the just like Batman, Superman comics, like they're not called World's Finest. It's usually just called Batman slash Superman or Superman slash Batman. Um, they have, there have been a few iterations of them, but they've been doing them 
pretty much for most of the 21st century, I guess. Um, and what's fun about them is that they do parallel narration boxes. So not only are they, do you get to see what both of the characters are thinking all the time, but often, especially in like the earlier part of the run, um, back in like the early 2000s, they would, <laughs> their narration was literally parallel in like you'd see Bruce's thought bubble being like he's the greatest man I've ever known and then you'd see Clark's being like he's the greatest man I've ever known (laughs) and then Bruce would be like but he doesn't understand me and Clark would be like and I understand him so well (laughs) and the whole comic would be like that and it was like I mean it was over the top like beautifully tragically homoerotic to begin Mm -hmm. with like it was hilarious i'm glad you went there because as you were describing them i'm thinking i've never thought about this much but there has to be a whole world of batman superman slash fiction out there right like oh it is vast (laughs) almost assuredly like i'd be disappointed if there wasn't i would go write some if there weren't (laughs) absolutely it is it is you know what i will i will check out the the ao3 right now (laughs) No, but I, I think I, I think I really agree with you. Especially, um, first of all, those comics sound amazing. I would love to read them. Um, but first of all, I think we're all pretty much in agreement on Batman versus Superman being a very bad representation of the two. But, but I, I think for me, what has always drawn them, and I think you guys were both sort of uh, getting at this, is, is the extent to which each of them kind of reigns in what I see as the the extreme of the other. You know, in that. Um, to, to me, I, I, part of why I started this podcast and this webpage to begin with is I'm really interested in questions where there, you need to find a middle ground because there's a danger of going too far either way. You know, the danger of trusting too much in authority versus not trusting at all. Or the danger in you know, being too much focused on yourself versus on others or, or vice versa. And I think to me, especially in the Justice League um, and, and the, Justice, uh, the JLA show, what I really loved most is the episodes where Superman is being a little bit too trusting and a little bit too optimistic and Batman is kind of poking holes a little bit and saying, wait a minute, are we sure about that? Or where Batman is saying, like, is being a little bit too cynical and is not trusting anyone. And Superman has to be the one to push him to say, like, look, maybe this person really does mean well and maybe we really should trust him. Um, I, 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 and this is actually going to be kind of get the next question, but do, do you think it's fair to say that they – they kind of work best when they're foils to each other a little bit, that they're when they're sort of each playing off the, that they're each there to sort of bring out that, that side of the other. Yeah, definitely. Um, Real quick. uh, There are 4,456 stories under the Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne tag on the archive of our own, which I actually think I I thought that was, I thought it would be bigger. Um, But you know, Clark's married. I get it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I, I definitely think that they play really well off of each other um, in exactly the way that you're talking about. Um, and I think I also think it's fun because sometimes sometimes they'll flip it where you'll have Clark because there are very few people that he's like, all right, you're just dead to me. It's like Lex Luthor and Zod and that's about it. And every so often there'll be a case where he's just not seeing straight and Batman has to be the one who's like I think this is actually on the level which is always it's rare but it's fun um but yeah I think that they 
Clark reminds Bruce that not everybody is terrible. And Bruce slips back into the bad guy's headquarters after Clark leaves and is like, I'm watching you. Yeah. (laughs) It's also interesting here as I'm thinking about it because when you think about sort of each one of their kind of traditional arch enemy, Lex Luthor and the Joker are both, you know, criminal masterminds. But also at, you know, if you wanted to put them at exact opposite ends, Lex Luthor to me is the epitome of lawful good and... Joker you mean is lawful evil? Good. No, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, God. <laughs> Lex Luthor is lawful good. You heard it here you. first, folks. Lex Luthor for president. <laughs> hey, listen. We already did an episode about Lex Luthor as president, and the Secret Service came to our door. I don't want to do that again. Um, no. This podcast is sponsored by LexCorp. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, but, but the point being, like, I, I, is that just kind of a coincidence, or do you think that, that actually says a lot about the characters that – for Superman, the villain is the epitome of lawful evil, of like very ordered, incredibly intelligent, you know, have a plan that's 20 moves ahead. And for Batman, it's pure chaotic evil. It's the Joker. It's utter randomness that you'll never be able to understand. I mean, I think it does it does make sense for their characters, um, but I don't think that they're necessarily exact opposites. I mean, I agree with you that that Lex is lawful and the Joker is chaotic. That, yes, that's definitely an opposition. And I do think that, you know, Bruce, the worst thing that ever happened to him was random crime. Like, I don't think it works when the story is, oh, actually, somebody was after Thomas Wayne because blah, blah, blah. No, it was a random mugging and it went south. And his entire existence ever since has been about imposing order onto that chaos. One of my but biggest objections to Gotham, but sorry, go on. <laughs> Gotham, the TV show? Or yeah. the city? Oh, no. Gotham, the TV show Okay, gives Joe Chill a planned motive for killing the Waynes. I hate, and I think you just no, perfectly captured why. But sorry, so, go ahead. So you have no problems that. with the great city You're of not. Chicago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. No, I agree with you. I totally hate that. And I also am not a huge fan of, uh, oh, this was the reason Krypton blew up besides just like natural stresses or possibly like Mm. uh, not man-made, but Kryptonian-made natural disaster, like their version of global warming. But like right now there's a storyline going on where it was like a dude who did it. And I'm not, I'm not about that. Um, But I think if you take it too far with Superman, then that sort of implies that um, Lex is for order and Superman is chaotic good, which he definitely isn't. Um, Mm. I think that in that, on that side of things, it's more that Lex represents capitalism and authoritarianism and Superman represents the little guy and communalism. Hmm. Which is interesting uh, because some of the Superman stories I, I have read, Superman takes an authoritarian uh, line or, or bent in trying to, to bring in, in basically in trying to fix things uh, because he still ultimately seems to care more about uh, the preservation of, of life uh, above all else and sometimes that does mean that he doesn't necessarily, like, 
I guess how how best to put this. He doesn't always choose the uh, most the freest option. I guess the one that that preserves everybody's yeah. freedom. If uh, instead there's a way to preserve more life. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. But I think that goes back to what we were talking about, like with their flaws. And if he does have a fatal flaw, he hasn't given into it. But it, that's what it is. But then again, with Batman, his whole life is about imposing order, but there's a bit of madness in him mm-hmm. and always has been. And I don't think you can deny that. And full disclosure, I say that as somebody who has had my own mental health, you know, journey. So I'm not trying to be like, eh, you know, what I mean? you, you guys get it. Right. Certainly do. Don't want anybody listening to feel uh, talked down to. Right. You know, I, I think that's a really important distinction because I think it, it's madness is a word that I think can often be used as just sort of a stand-in for mental illness. And, and, and if I understand you correctly, you don't mean it in that way. What you more mean is that as much as Batman presents himself as being having a very rational, logical approach to what he is doing, that there is an extent to which he is still being driven by his own personal demons that are affecting the decisions he makes in terms of his understanding of of you know, serving out justice to everyone else. Is, is that is that accurate to where you're going? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a traumatized child in the body of a man dressed as a bat. Like, there's... He's, I think, as sane as that could be. Yeah. Right. And, and like... The there, there are actually many Batman stories that focus on uh, the fact that he's not... You know, he's not completely mentally healthy, and that's not like that's not meant as as an admonishment of Batman. I am also not completely mentally healthy, uh, and so it that's relatable, and it's one of the the flaws that Batman has that um, I feel helps me identify with him a little bit more. Uh, it, it is right. interesting that uh, he's definitely I I would argue Batman is the Batman is the character that has more things more things to fix in his life, I guess, more, more problems personally to deal with. And of the two of them, he's also the one who has the, who who tries to have the tightest grip and the most control over his environment. But at the same time has this, like, I want to say rebellious streak where if anybody tries to control Batman, now all bets are off. Now he's an agent of chaos, right? He's, he will have absolutely none of that. Thank you very much. Um, and especially if it's Superman, he will have he will have twice none <laughs> of that. Thank you, uh, none of that to the second power, which is still none of that. Well, not not to get too metaphorical here, but I do think that Clark Kent probably learned at a very early age that if he held something too tight, it would break. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially because part of what I'm hearing here is that I wonder if. And I'm going to say this in a way that makes it sound like Batman's treatment of Superman is problematic, whereas actually I think it's the healthiest possible response to someone like Superman. But I, I, I think if you look at all the times Superman, Batman doesn't trust Superman with the power that he has, or that Bruce doesn't trust, maybe the best way to say it is that Batman doesn't trust Clark with the, with the power Clark has, part of what's happening is a degree of projection. Because for Superman... The limiting factor is all of the moral that he, the morals he has about when he can or can't use his power. For Batman, that's 
those are things are there too, but also the biggest limiting factor is his power itself. You know, he just does not have yeah. any of the power that Superman or really anyone else in the Justice League does. And I wonder if part of what's happening there is that part of why Batman is constantly like being vigilant about how everyone else in the Justice League is using the, their power, especially Superman, is because in the back of Batman's mind is always how afraid he is of what he would do if he had Superman's power. And so on some level, it's very hard for him to imagine that someone like Superman could have the power that Superman does and not want to use it in some of the ways that Batman might be afraid he would use it. Um, that's kind of a convoluted idea, but does that make sense in terms of thinking of it as kind of a, a projection of Batman of being afraid of what he would do with that kind of power? No, it definitely does. And I think it's also what you actually made me think of was Captain America, because mm. um, I know that, you know, and I would agree with you that he's more like Superman overall um, as a character, both in terms of personality and in terms of sort of iconography. But in this case, I think he's actually a lot more like Batman, or at least I, I'm more familiar with the MCU version of him, but I do think that this is also present in the comics that he, despite com having come up in the military, he will not be told what to do. And mm. his response to power is kind of counterintuitively to go, no, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And you can't tell me not to, you just have to trust me. And like, not to get into a whole civil war debate, which, you know, obviously is its own quandary. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys have at least one episode about that. Um, it's it, that, that, that movie is like Christmas for, for superhero ethics. Um, but this idea that, because there are also been times that, um, you know, JLA meets the Avengers, like there are crossover stories where Steve's reaction to Clark is, no, you have too much power. You are doing too much. You have to let people do what they want. But he is also very much of the opinion that he should be allowed to apply what he thinks justice is wherever he sees fit. And so does right. Batman. I think it's interesting that these characters with weaker or no powers are more likely to sort of go, you're not the boss of me. Right. And maybe a bit of that is coming from a place of the, uh, the, the, the cornered kitten type thing where yeah. you know they, there's this if if you like were to take their their overall power level and abstract it into a size uh superman is just so much larger than batman right in, in that universe where their their ability to affect reality is made into a uh, an actual mass ratio uh then so so batman is this tiny little kitten in the corner and batman's reaction to seeing the the giant looming superman blob is to go on the offensive and be like no 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 i'm going to i'm going to have my little corner i'm going to have all of the control over all of this and i'm also going to tell you how to responsibly use your power um interestingly i find often i agree with batman when he's doing that but it's interesting to me that he often wants to lecture clark on um at least in in the uh justice league 
graphic novels that I've read and in the the animated series, when one of them is lecturing the other one, usually Batman is lecturing Clark about, uh, you know, what he should and shouldn't get himself involved in or, or use his power to, to change. Uh, and Clark is usually only telling Batman, hey, are you sure that you've got the right kind of approach for for stopping crime or for for mitigating crime because there is that whole thing where where batman likes to use fear that i don't think clark is particularly fond of yeah well remember bruce is a dad so yeah he does like to lecture people yes (laughs) he has like 10 teenagers in his house (laughs) at one point in time Um, but no i agree with you I, I really like the, the, the Civil War comparisons there because I, I started out by, by comparing Superman to Captain America, and I think in a lot of ways that's true. But I think, um, and, and full disclosure, uh, you were right, uh, Civil War is quite literally the origin story for this podcast. It started when <laughs> the original host, Paul, and I were having long, drawn-out debates over Team Cap versus Team Tony. Um, Which but, team were you? I, I'm, I'm very much Team, uh, team Tony. Um all right. Uh, okay, we can hang. Yeah. Which, hey. That's where I'm gonna go. Hey now. <laughs> uh, well, but it's kind of where I'm going to go with this because I think, and it, it is in that regard why I'm also a little bit Team Batman because, um, and although I think you're right, Batman himself needs a Tony. Uh, or what I say, the difference is Tony. I think set the reason. What I agree with Team Tony is that Tony, when Cap says, "I know what's right. Trust me," Tony says. There's a problem in always thinking you're right. We need to be accountable to other people. The difference is that Batman, I think, says, I still trust myself. Superman, I don't trust you. Whereas Tony says, Cap, not only do I not trust you, but I don't trust myself. Um, and that's kind of a long Civil War digression. But my, the, the point being that I feel like this is one of the ways in which Superman and, and Batman most diverge is in this degree to which they are asking other people to trust them. Um, and mm-hmm. in some ways, and here again, I, I do draw it back to kind of politics and things like this. I think we're seeing this less with things like Zack Snyder and some of the more recent versions, but obviously Superman for a long time has always been kind of a stand in for America, you know, truth, justice, and the American way is what he stands for and things like this. And I, I think part of it, part of it may be why I have such a negative reaction to a lot of Superman and maybe why a lot of this generation does is that. As I see it, maybe Jessica, you can give me a different image. Superman kind of in that way of saying, yes, I have incredible power, but trust me, I'm going to use it for good. Very much was kind of a mirror of the American ideal of, yes, we have incredible power, but trust me, we're going to use it for good. And that in more recent decades, we've seen so many more examples of America maybe never actually really having right ideals, but even when it did, thinking it was doing right things and and using it for good and, and not actually that happening. And that those tend to be the Superman stories that I'm most interested in is the ones where Batman is the one saying, like, Superman, you think you're using your power for good, but actually look at the harm you're causing, like in Kingdom Come or like in some of these other stories. Um, Now, obviously, a lot of that's kind of the the, the politics that Superman got projected onto changing. But but I'm kind of curious what what your take on that is, is sort of how the two of them work as stand-ins for those kind of questions. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, going back a little bit um, to the idea that uh, Batman says, which I, I 100% agree with, that he says, I don't trust anybody else, but I trust myself. That's actually one of the reasons that I can't really hang with Batman. Um, but I absolutely love Daredevil, who is, mm-hmm. I mean, literally in the Mark Wade run, 
he's like swinging by a window and somebody goes, Hey, it's red Batman. Um, (laughs) They are, they are very similar characters in a lot of ways, but Bruce is so um, he's so sure that everything he's doing is right. He doesn't ever question it and nobody around him questions it. Um, Which I, I recognize is a, is a, a sweeping statement that is not always true, but to a large degree, whereas Matt is just a seething mass of self-doubt and other people telling him he's an idiot. And I find that much more appealing. Um, but to get back to uh, to Superman and Batman, I definitely, I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree. Um, I I think that where we are politically it is much easier to sympathize with the wanted vigilante than with the guy who literally represents truth justice in the american way i like i'm not i'm not disagreeing with that at all um but for me personally especially because i come to these characters very much from their secret identities Um, Like, when I think of them, I don't think of Batman and Superman. I think of Bruce and Clark. Yeah. I think it's also worth pointing out that the guy that is supposed to represent sort of American authority is a somewhat Jewish-coded immigrant and the child of rural small farmers um, who's working in journalism yeah. and the guy who's supposed to be the underdog that uh, theoretically is the little guy is a white billionaire. And there's, there's that first level where it's like, okay, yes, Superman is literally coming down from above and he has all this power and he's imposing it on people. And I, I, totally understand why people would see him as an authoritarian or even a fascist figure. I I don't think that uh, a deep dive into his comics really supports that, but I understand that that's where the iconography can go and I, I get that and I wouldn't deny that that is a reading that can be found there. And I think especially when you add in like all the Christ metaphor stuff, especially with the like very evangelical culture of our country that can also get very oppressive. Um, But I think it's important to remember that Batman is in no way underprivileged or lacking in power. He has the thing that is in fact the most powerful in our world. He has it to a ludicrous degree. And I, I find it very hard to see him as uh, more trustworthy because at the end of the day, He's a rich white guy who was raised by his butler and decided that he was going to make the world the way he wanted it to be through violence. I mean, I, I think there's a reason why the major, the, the most significant villain in Superman stories is the wealthy smart guy, and that is the hero in Batman stories. Um and I think, like, you have an excellent point there, uh, Jess, and one that I, I think I was <laughs> intending to make, 
but I'm glad you did. Uh, I feel like you put it uh, much better than I could have on the because you're right. There's this this thing with um, there's this thing with Bruce that they don't always go into, but there's this whole uh, slice of challenge uh, within life in general that like we see Matt Murdock and Daredevil having to struggle with, or Luke Cage having to struggle with, um, and at times uh, depending on the depiction, Clark Kent has to struggle with it that. Uh, Bruce slash Batman just gets to completely write off because one, like he does have a superpower and he is fabulously stupid wealthy uh, for reasons, I guess. I, I when, when, well, I mean, like when whenever I because Lucius Fox is very good at his job. Yeah, I guess. I guess. So there's this, yeah, there's there's this whole thing um, where I've always wondered. And I don't know if it was true from the very origins of Batman, because I, I must confess I'm not completely researched on this topic. I'm not an expert at anything that we talk about here, which, you know, why do we do it? Because it's fun. Uh, but <laughs> but Batman, I, I often wonder why they chose to make him fabulously, ridiculously wealthy. Uh, like, it, I feel like it had to have been a deliberate choice somewhere along the line. Um and like it does in this day and age make him actually harder to harder to relate to and harder to get behind and i especially love how you pointed out that he's not just a rich white guy but somebody who tries to solve their problems with violence or uh to put it another way when people don't agree with him uh his response is violence and that is that yeah. is not necessarily a hero you should be getting behind in this day and age i agree yeah, like, I think it, you see a lot, um, especially, like, on Tumblr or whatever, you see people being like, oh, if Bruce Wayne really wanted to help, he'd give some money to charity. And I think that's also an oversimplification. He does give a ton of money to charity. He gives jobs to people getting out of prison. He really does try to help with poverty. And um, and uh, I am not going to pronounce this word correctly, you know, re- recidivism is that yeah, recidivism yeah. you got it ah i got it um and all these other underlying social concerns it's just that that's usually like you know one panel because that's not as interesting as a guy in a bat costume punching a clown like, <laughs> it's not as fun to draw like it's some guy writing a check um so he does he does contribute that way but yeah he also is like i'm angry because my parents died so i'm gonna hit you in the face <laughs> I mean, that's a topic we've talked about before. You know, to me, my perfect version of Civil War would be where Tony says we need to have some kind of accountability, where Cap says this accountability is terrible, and then we spend two hours of bureaucratic wrangling finding a better version yes. of accountability. That would be my favorite movie that doesn't have a big budget. Um, but, but to go back a bit, well, first of all, I just want to say, um, Jacob, um, the secret instructions you gave her apparently paid off perfectly because, once again... Uh, Daredevil was brought up, and neither you nor I did it. So I think we're we're safe yes. on that count. Um, we, we have had a problem of bringing up Daredevil a little too much, so I was highly amused when you brought it up yourself. Um, but I, think I I am always that girl, always going to bring up Daredevil. I mean, it's such a good show and it's such a good character, and and I I, I do think you make a, a good point, especially because I I do want to push back on you a bit and say. I, I do think that there are times when, when Batman isn't just all alone by himself. And that to me, my, it, it's, I think a big part of what makes me like or not like a version of Batman is 
to what extent is he accountable to, to Alfred? Because I think mm. not always you're right. And obviously like in any kind of class analysis would say like, look, the man works for him, is his butler, is hired by him. Uh, he can never really be truly accountable to Alfred. But that some of my favorite versions of the story are the ones where when he starts to go too far, Alfred is the one to say, hey, wait a minute, you are really going wrong here. Um, I think the um, the Christopher Nolan movies do that to a good extent. Um, the Having earlier slammed it, I actually think the TV show Gotham, granted they are Bruce Wayne's a teenager, so, so uh, Alfred has a lot more power. But there I think that show especially does a really good job of Alfred really trying to rein him in a good deal. Um, somewhat the animated series, but not quite as much. Um, because I think you're right. I think when, when Bruce doesn't have that, when he doesn't have anyone who is saying, hey, wait a minute, Bruce, maybe you're wrong here, then he becomes just as problematic as anyone. Yeah, definitely. And like, I, I mean, the thing about the relationship with Alfred is that it doesn't stand up to scrutiny for a second. It doesn't make any sense. Why is this guy like, he's like, a former British spy and he's <laughs> apparently immortal because he's like four trillion years old and it just it makes absolutely no sense. He raised Bruce? Like we know Bruce has blood relatives. That's where Batwoman comes from. And yet they just decided to leave him with the butler and now the butler helps him fight crime. Like it's nonsense. But at the same I mean, but these are comic books and he also as I've said many times, is a grown man dressed as a bat. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think that his relation, like the relationship between Bruce and Alfred is one of my favorite things about Batman. Um, I think it's one of the most moving things in the franchise. Um, and I think that the examples that you cited are excellent ones. Um, he's Alfred is a great character and his role as the voice of reason mm -hmm. is such an important one, especially in stories where there is no Robin or in stories where Robin is new enough or young enough that he can't quite sort of put his foot down and say, no, we're not doing this. Like nowadays, Dick Grayson could be like, oh, absolutely not, Bruce. Like, that's a terrible idea. But certainly he wouldn't have done that when he was 10 years old. And you need right. the guy who raised Bruce to be like, stop it immediately right. and, and that's the thing i think the the fundamental reason why that relationship works is that alfred is bruce wayne's father as far as mm -hmm. who spent who raised him through most of his formative years and who sort of taught him uh those those life lessons that that you get to sort of build your moral framework um and so when alfred is saying to bruce hey, I'm not sure that this is right, uh, it gives Bruce pause. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, even though she's not his father, I think Lois fills a very similar role for Clark. Um, I mean, the Kents can do it, and there are other characters who can, including Bruce. Um, but Lois, as this like very unimpressed, cynical investigative journalist is always the first one to call bullshit when bullshit happens. Mm -hmm. um, and I particularly love her in the uh, animated Justice League episode with the Justice Lords, where we see an alternate universe where the Justice League is like really dark and they've basically taken over the world with their like author authoritarian regime. And she's still with 
Superman because she doesn't really have a choice, but she makes it exceedingly clear that she's done with him and everything that he's become. And I think that is a huge part of her strength as a character that she, she is in love with Clark Kent, but she's not overawed by him. Which I think is such a necessary thing because, and I'm not even going to say that the, the Snyder movies did this right, but the, it, it's one reason why I'm frustrated with the Snyder movies because they're the only ones I've seen that acknowledge this as a possibility, but then screw it up. To me, one mm. of the most interesting parts of the Superman story is the idea that quite literally a lot of people would see him as a god and would treat him as a god with all the problems that that has. And I think Gary Wright, therefore having a Lois Lane character, is the person who's like, yeah, look, I see, I still get to see you naked. I see you put your, your pants on just like <laughs> anybody else does. I know that you're, you're not all that. Like you are, you still have the same problems everyone else does. Um, like that I think is such a necessary part of the story is that we don't get very often. Does he put his pants on like everybody else does? Because he does get into a bath fully clothed. So he might not have figured out that <laughs> particular Earth aspect. I mean, I guess the whole, like, you know, dressing, undressing of Superman and Supergirl and all of those characters <laughs> has never quite made much sense to me. Um, but, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, there's a lot here we could go over. I want you to kind of move along because we've, we've been going for a while. Um, Jessica, one particular point that you wanted to bring up, I want to dive into a little more, is you talked about how the, the moral parameters for each of the stories can be a little different and that that can get kind of weird when we either compare them or when we put them in the same story. Can, can you say a bit more about what you meant there? Yeah, so, well, really specifically, I think it's interesting that they have different rules about killing um, because the rule with Batman is you don't kill. Like, he, he will not kill. That is his hard and fast rule. But he will torture. He tortures and terrorizes people all the time to get information. Um, he regularly locks people up in the hellscape that is Arkham Asylum. Um, I'm not saying he's not capable of great compassion, but he will do immensely dark things, but he won't kill. Whereas Superman will not do all those he will not torture he he can be imposing but he doesn't terrorize people but there are multiple occasions on which he has killed do i think that that should be a regular you know thing in his toolbox absolutely not i think if you're writing a superman story and you get to a point where he has to kill to save the day you need to scrap the whole story because that should never be where you went in the first place and like with um man of steel like it was clearly set up so that he would have to kill at the climax mm -hmm. to learn a valuable lesson about how killing is bad which really makes me worry about Zack snyder but and that's that's literally what he said. He was like, he has to learn that it's bad. Wow, I knew it was bad, and I never even killed anyone. Yeah. Um, but but he like there there are definitely other examples of this. He did it. He did it in Superman two. Mm -hmm. Um, he did it again with Zod and his fellow Kryptonians in um the uh, Supergirl saga, which is like a late 80s John Byrne story he's done it a few other times um if it is as I think uh you pointed out earlier Jacob if it's the way to preserve the greatest amount of life mm -hmm. and 
I think that that is a really interesting thing that you wouldn't expect from the character who is lighter. But at the same time, like I said, I don't think that that should really be what a Superman story is about to begin with. And while you can tell a really interesting Batman story about having to make a hard decision where whatever answer you pick, some part of it is going to suck. The Superman story, I think, should be how do you come up with that miraculous 11th hour third option where you save everyone? Because they're characters who are designed to explore different kinds of stories. So and this is getting off a little bit of a tangent, but I just want to ask it because you, you know more about Superman than I. For me, of the many, many flaws of the Zack Snyder movie, uh, the Batman vs. Superman movie, one of them to me is that it, it seems like there's a moment when, towards the end, Superman has a moment of continue fighting the horrible monster that might destroy the whole world or save Lois Lane. And he chooses to just save Lois. And that, that moment always struck me as like, from the little I knew of, of Superman, that seems so wrong. That he would, as you said, try to find a third way. Yeah, I would like to see him find the third way. I don't necessarily know that I don't believe he would choose to save Lois if he had to. But yeah, like it's not, it's not that I think he made the wrong choice between those two options. It's that there sh- he should have found a third option. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, but of course, that movie didn't understand a single thing about Superman, right? Beginning to right, end, because because part of the appeal of Superman, part of what you're when you include Superman in your story, you're supposed to be showing uh, you're supposed to be showing somebody with boundless potential. Right, somebody who yeah. who's capable of of almost anything, uh, when when you know if he can find the solution, uh, sometimes that plays off very well. Sometimes he is traveling back against the Earth's orbit to undo time <laughs> because Lois Lane died. So not always great, not not always the best plot elements, but it's still the case where he's always, um, he should be the character that does, as you so eloquently put it, find that third option. He finds finds a way to both have and eat his cake, uh, as it were, yeah. because that's what Superman does. Superman is presented with a choice with no third alternative. He just comes up with a third alternative because if he has all this power, why can't he? Yeah, absolutely. Especially like with the, with the Zod thing too. Um, I know that Rebecca mentioned this, my co-host on flights and tights when we were talking about it, but by, Zod says the only way to stop me is to kill me. And Superman goes, okay. (laughs) You're just falling into the villain's trap. And yeah, like, again, Batman is the character who shows us how to make the hard decisions. Superman is the character who shows us how to find a miracle. Right, right. I was going to say, to take our, um, uh, the the metaphor we used from the, the, the Wrath of Khan Star Trek episode, Superman is someone else who has never really faced a Kobayashi Maru and, and, his shtick is that his power allows him to not ever have to be. Um, which I guess is something I like because I, for the most part, I don't like that. I, I want every character to have to face that. But for Superman, at least, I, it, it, he is the one where I could say, okay, his power is such that he never has to face that. And so he, he now has a whole other set of questions of when do you use it? And, and, it's, um, and it's very inspirational, right, to have somebody who who consistently is able to 
to find the way that that is unified with their ideals and not have to betray them um even even in those situations that are tricky especially if again it's written in such a way that it's not necessarily intuitive or easy but it's still something that he can do and i think the best ones are when the, the best situations of those are when superman has to give something up that that he values uh very highly in order to make the miracle happen um but like even when that doesn't happen like that th those are the good superman stories that's the whole point of the character is that he, he can he can do the thing yeah absolutely i mean in some ways it's the it's the flips with with um stan lee having just uh sadly passed we've been so much talking about his you know aphorism from um aphorism uh putting up in the 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 words of um, uh, Spider-Man's uncle, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And for Superman, it's almost the, the, not the flip side, but the extreme of that is with the greatest power comes now the responsibility to decide you know, what, what is not your responsibility. Um, uh, I, I know you said you haven't read Red Sun, but that's, um, I think one of the questions that most comes up there is when Superman is placed in this more communitarian instead of an individualistic society, uh, where he's in the Soviet Union instead of the United States, his power just keeps growing and growing and his responsibility keeps growing and growing to the point where he's almost at a point where he can make everyone's lives fundamentally better, but by controlling them. And now his question yeah. there is, where does he have to dial back his responsibility that even though he has the power to save every life, to make everyone literally safe, is that actually what he should be doing? Mm -hmm. So we're almost out of time, and I want to kind of hit on one or two of the last points that we have. Um, the other thing that we brought up is this idea of solidarity versus team, because they each seem to have their own perspective on it, um, and, and that they each kind of flip-flop a little bit. Um, what's your take, kind of, um, Jessica, on how they each approach this idea of do you work by yourself or do you work in a team? Yeah, I mean, I brought this up in our uh, pre-podcast email discussion, because I think it's really interesting that we think of Superman as a character who's very sort of tapped into a community. Like he's a people person. He has friends. He's married right now in canon. He has a kid. Hopefully that will stay because I love John. Um, and we think of Batman as a loner. But the truth is Superman operates alone when he's out there being Superman. Clark Kent is very embedded in his community but Superman, he doesn't have sidekicks. I mean, he has a literal fortress of solitude. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point that uh, I am ashamed to say that I didn't even think of. <laughs> but you're right. He has literally a building that is called the go-away building. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can get into it is by lifting like a 10-ton key to open the door. Um he, you know, there's Superboy, there's a couple of Superboys, and there's Supergirl, but they're not his sidekicks. They don't, even his 10-year-old son isn't, like, his sidekick. He goes and does his own thing with Robin. Um, he's got a dog who doesn't really help him fight crime either. Like, I don't know what Crypto's up to, but it's not hanging out with Superman. Um, he really kind of operates on his own, which... Well, and so then you have Batman, who Bruce Wayne is very much a loner at the end of the day. Like, he he puts on this front of going to cocktail parties and stuff, but he is not at all embedded in his community. But Batman has 
like I said before, he's got like 10 teenagers living in his house. I mean, there's over the years, there have been five Robins, three Batgirls, there's Huntress, there's Signal, there's Azrael, there's um, all the various other code names that those uh, Robins and Batgirls have taken on. There's Alfred, there's that time that he had a hunchback mechanic living in his basement for like <laughs> a decade. Um, and he's also on way more teams than Superman is like Superman occasionally helps the justice league. Batman's on the justice league. He's on the outsiders. He's on his own weird versions of the justice league that he made up because he couldn't make the rest of the real justice league do what he wanted. Um, he, and I mean, logistically it makes sense because he's just a guy and he kind of needs help. Whereas honestly, what help is anybody going to offer Superman? Yeah. But I do think it's sort of it's it's counterintuitive in a way that I find really interesting. Yeah, I mean, of the two heroes, if you told me one of them had an emo ice tower that they retreated to, when uh, I didn't know anything <laughs> about the characters, I would say, oh, but uh, clearly that's Batman. But you're like, it's an interesting point because I, I think one one sort of uh, one one curveball I'd like to throw into here uh, is that the way I've always seen it is that while Batman does have other people that Batman works with, it always felt to me like Batman more has more like recruits and manages in those situations. And it's mm. less actually collaborative. And in this is in, in this way, the two characters are actually pretty similar uh, where they both have a uh, sort of a unilateral direction for what they want to do. And, and actually uh, something you said, Jess, that I wanted to, to use to emphasize this point uh, when things when, when things are being done the way Batman wants them to be done, he he's out. He bounces, right? He's like, nope, can't do this. Uh, I've got to have control. I've got to I've got to have things going the way I want them to go. And goes and creates other organizations uh, so they can have that degree of control. So I don't actually feel like either of them in their in their superhero personas and interactions is particularly collaborative. Um, because of of how they go about but they go about it in different ways superman's not collaborative because he doesn't team up with anybody because he doesn't need to he's superman he can just do the thing uh he travels faster than other things and he's stronger than other things and he when he remembers he can make things really cold by breathing on them uh <laughs> but, but uh batman uh you know he's he's got a lot of of terrain to cover and he doesn't have super speed uh so batman probably wants to have you know he wants to have people right but i feel like the way that he engages with them in doing superhero heroery uh wow that's a really bad made-up word uh <laughs> superhero Heroics? things uh if, you know some other name for that when he's engaging in superhero ethics of some kind uh then he'll he'll get people but he always seems to be directing them in some way. And again, sort of taking that leadership or, or managerial position where he... He has a staff. Yeah, exactly. He has staff. Like any rich person, he has staff. He's got people <laughs> to do things. I, I want to jump in there, though, and say that I think that the, there's one market example of this, which I think is probably one of the reasons why it's my favorite Batman, and because I think it's the most self-aware Batman which is the Batman who joins the Justice League. Mm -hmm. um, here I'm speaking especially about in the, the later parts of the Batman the Animated Series and then continuing the Kevin Conroy 
uh, continuity into the Justice League TV animated TV show, I think that's the only time where we really see Batman saying very grudgingly, very unhappily, okay, maybe I need to be accountable to some other people, so I'll hang out with you guys. And he's still very much the outsider and the loner. But there at least, I, I think that's the only time where he does accept actual collaboration that is where he's not the leader and where he allows someone else to be the leader. Um, but I think you guys are right that that's what I'm sure saying is kind of the exception that proves the rule because that is such a odd thing for the Batman. Like, I think it's very necessary for the Batman character, but it's not an element that most of the portrayals of him have shown. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the one time, I think, where you really get a Batman who... To, to me, it's not that he... I think Superman wants to be around other people. It's that I think Batman recognizes if he actually wants to be the best hero he can be, he needs to be around other people. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And I, I definitely prefer that to... And you see this a lot, the Justice League stories that are sort of uh, designed to justify Batman's presence on the Justice League, where like a supervillain comes and takes out every member of the Justice League except Batman, and then he saves everyone. Right. Or he fights the whole Justice League and he wins because he has kryptonite up his nose and uh, slow-mo goo to throw on the Flash and whatever. Um, and, and a literal match I, for Martian Manhunter. <laughs> I mean, that's all that takes. Um, but yeah, like I, I am much more inclined to be interested in a story where, on some level, Bruce is like, "All right, I gotta get socialized. Like, I have to be with other human beings, or I'm just gonna start sleeping, hanging upside down." <laughs> it's very true, and and I. Jacob, don't throw me off the podcast for this because I, you know, all my negative thoughts. I will say it is one of the only things that the um, Justice League movie I thought got right, which is the fact that it is Batman who pushes Bruce Wayne who pushes to start the Justice League, and <clears throat> in that movie, his motivation is a recognition that they need each other, and especially that he needs them, that he needs the accountability that they give him. Um, I think Snyder just absolutely, you know, maybe that was entirely Joss Whedon putting it in, or that was Snyder just backing into the truth somehow, completely accidentally. Um, I'll now go another year without praising Zack Snyder, but that was, I thought, one thing that those movies, that that movie got particularly well. Oh, I'm sorry, I've already fired you, so I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Jacob, now you're going to take total responsibility for all aspects of running the podcast. That's fine. I, I think I'm going <laughs> to. That's very Batman. Yeah. Of you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I just got rehired. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Jess, not to draw you into the internal politics of the, uh, the show, let's <laughs> kind of wrap up. Do you have any other um, uh, last thoughts or last ideas you wanted to make sure we, we, we covered? Um, I mean, I think we have covered a lot of ground, and there's so much that like I can and want to say, and I'm sure when I listen to this back, I'll be like, oh, I should have mentioned this, and I should have mentioned that. Um, but I think that the, for me, the biggest takeaway is always that these characters are 80 years old. Superman turned 80 this year. Batman turns 80 next year. And there are so many versions of them. And what's always fascinating to me is seeing all the ways that they change and seeing that sort of core of them that remains 
the same throughout the decades. And I think that there is, you know, you guys came into this saying that you prefer Batman. I prefer Superman, but I think that there is, there is merit to both characters and there is a Batman out there for everyone. There is a Superman out there for everyone. Um, so I, I would encourage people to explore beyond the Christopher Reeve movie and, and yeah. really dive into these enormous canons. I mean, certainly you've got me wanting to go watch Lois and Clark as the end result of this. And as I said it's before, so good. I, I really want you to finish watching uh, Supergirl because there's a lot, and especially in the most recent season, that I, I think you'd be great to be on, have a guest come and talk about. Um, I am caught up on season three. I'm a little behind on season four. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, and I, I would also say, I think um, in some ways I really want to, to see a world where I can really appreciate a Superman telling again, because I, I do think part of what's happened and you and I had talked about a bit that this a bit in the lead up to this episode, that part of what, part of why we get the Henry Cavill version of Superman is that we're just in a, in a day and age, both in the media, but in culture in general, where everything just feels so gritty and dark and cynical. And so even Superman sort of has to be put through that ringer. Um, part of you would kind of like to be able to live in an age when, a Superman story feels happy and optimistic and great again, because maybe it means that the world feels happy and optimistic and great, which we can kind of use right now. Um, so, so yeah, and I think, Ooh, go ahead. I think that's what we need, honestly. I mean, not to, not to make this go on even longer, but you have touched on something that I, I am very passionate about, but you see that a lot. You see people say, Oh, well, Superman, I can't get into these recent Supermans. He's a too, nice of a character i'm like he snapped the guy's neck (laughs) the problem with the henry cavill superman is not that he's too nice and it's certainly not that he's not handsome enough it's that they got superman totally wrong you see movies with with thor and wonder woman and captain america where yeah they're they're complex individuals and they deal with serious issues but they are overall positive characters who want to do good and i think that i think what we need is an upbeat happy optimistic superman in a cynical world i think that's what resonated with people so strongly in 1938 at the end of the depression and the beginning of world war ii and i think that's what resonated with people so strongly at the end of the 70s which was a really difficult decade for the country and i think it can resonate with us again we just we just need him to show up i mean certainly there were some great articles i saw um about a year ago when crazy rich asians and not a year maybe a couple of months crazy crazy rich asians and um uh, to all the boys I've ever loved, and we're talking about how um, not only were those two stories linked by about both being about strong Asian characters, but that also were both very strongly leaning into the rom-com as a narrative model that had kind of been lost and 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 made fun of mostly in the last couple of years. Um, and, and if nothing else, if if we're kind of returning, I, I love rom-coms, and if we're returning to an era when rom-coms become more popular, and that means we get more of a Lois and Clark kind of take on Superman. That's what I'd love to see because. Having never seen Lois and Clark, I've never seen that version of it, and in fact, it's one I think I would love to see more of. Um, especially because I know you you talk about your own podcast, the love story of the Christopher Reeve uh, Margot Kidder um, uh, um, stories is not really the best in a lot of ways. It's they had great chemistry and not. 
great writing. Yeah. But yeah, you'll you'll know when that Superman rom-com hits theaters because I will be there weeping into my popcorn with joy. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Jacob, what about for you? Is there any more that um, you want to uh, throw out there? Um, we did have a, a point in here about um, basically uh, some, somebody wrote in the in our little outline, do they need each other? Um, which I think Boy, I could go for a long time about how Superman and Batman can be seen as as the yin and the yang, two sides of the same coin. They kind of complete each other in in the times where they team up. But ultimately, I just wanted to throw that idea out and then like listen to this later and think about all the things that we didn't say that I wanted to talk about and then have regrets. That's my <laughs> plan. Sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot... To- there's a lot more to talk about. I think we'll definitely be going back to this, and that's all more reason to just have you back on sometime soon. So I would love that. Great. Well, Jess, thank you so much. And um, you, you've mentioned the podcast a bit, but I know also you do a lot of writing about comics and, and also other great things. Um, if you can take a minute, tell our, our listeners, where can they uh, find more of you? Yeah, um, so the podcast, again, is Flights and Tights. It's uh, available through iTunes and uh, Google Play and all your usual uh, podcastery places. I'm also a contributing editor at bookriot.com and I have uh, my own blog, sadly neglected these days, but I do talk quite a bit about Supergirl in particular. Um, Jess's somewhat grown up blog at active-voice.net slash Jess Plummer. So feel free to check me out at any of those places. Awesome. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, definitely do check those out. Um, I've been listening to the Flights and Tights podcast. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I, I, Christopher Reeve, Superman was my first superhero. So hearing you guys have some not positive takes always was a little hard for me at first, but I, I'm, I, I hear that. Sorry. No, no, but you have so much love for it and still in a lot of ways. And it's, it's helped me to better understand how much that isn't necessarily the best image of Superman. And, and, and then I was listening to what you guys had to say really helped inform me and the discussions that I've then had with Jacob and with others. Um, on the discussions we've had about Superman on this on this show. So thank you for that. Um, definitely do check her out, all your listeners. And to all of you guys, where do you fall? Um, we, we intentionally didn't set this up as Batman v- versus Superman. Um, I think a lot of this is about how the two intention really make for some great stories. But we'd love to hear your thoughts on what are the ways you think the two of them play off each other or don't play off each other. Do you prefer when the each of them gets to be kind of on their own and shine or when they're with each other? Um, what are some of your favorite versions or least favorite versions of the two of them and how they play out? Please let us know. Um, you can find us on um, email uh, at superheroethics at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook uh, at Superhero Ethics. We also have a Superhero Ethics page. We have both a page and a group. We are trying hard to sort of steer conversation towards the group, but that uh, we may find that that's not working and, and, and change tactics. But for these next couple of weeks, we would really love it if you could take any comments or thoughts you have, put them in the Facebook group. You do have to ask to join because Facebook can't seem to have um, open enrollment groups, but um, we'll immediately let you in, join the group, ask a question. Uh, we'll get on it. We'd love to have the discussion with you. Um, so on behalf of myself, on behalf of Jacob, on behalf of Jessica, um, thank you guys all for being uh, listeners today, um, and we'll talk to you more soon. Have a good day.